Matthew 5 and 16. It says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You can be seated. It didn't say let your light shine so they can see your faith. I mean, which that's an important part too. But it said so that your good works, they'll see your good works and glorify God. And like I said a while ago, the Bible tells us, it's scripture, it's in the word that everything we say and do should bring glory to God. Well, if we're just sitting here for the Lord to come back, how are we glorifying God? You know, you might say, oh, I have prayer requests and I put money in an offering and I pay my tithes. Okay, that's all fine and dandy and you should. But the world's not going to see that. We're going to have to take our Christianity outside the church if we want the world to see God's love. They need to see me out in the world doing things for God. They need to see me doing God's work. That's what's going to bring him glory. Now, here's where you tell me works don't get you to heaven. And you're right. They don't. I'll agree with you. Works do not get you to heaven. You cannot work your way into heaven. We're saved by faith and the grace and mercy of God. But just because works won't get you to heaven doesn't mean you're not supposed to do them. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, starting verse 8. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, or we're his creation, created in Christ Jesus unto, or for, good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in him. So yes, we're saved by grace. We're saved by faith. But then it says, we're created to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Well, Jesus didn't come into the world and say, okay, y'all, you need to get saved and sit down and wait for him to be crucified. He was out there every day working to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in a plan of salvation to show people the love of God. He didn't just sit down. We are not just to sit down. We're to go out every day and tell people about the gospel, about the plan of salvation. Otherwise, how will people know? And don't assume that just because we live in the United States that everybody knows about Jesus Christ and his plan of salvation. Because they do not. I was one of them. I didn't know anything 
about Jesus Christ. And guess what? I was born in the United States. Lived here all my life. Somebody, somebody had to take the time and put forth the effort to explain it to me and to tell me about it. And once I heard, did I immediately get saved? Well, no, I didn't. But it didn't make the scene. Yeah. And did it cause me to wonder? Yeah. It caused me to want to know more. And through that seed, it grew and flourished. And maybe somebody else watered it. Until I wanted to know about Jesus Christ truly yeah. and opened up my heart so that he could deal with me. So we don't just sit down. Jesus worked his ministry of God his whole life. The whole time he was here. Even on the cross when he couldn't do anything else. He said, Father, please forgive them for they know not what they do. Even when his hands and feet were bound, he could say a prayer. And what do we do? We write. If God tells us to go next door and witness to somebody. Or we grumble. We have to pray for somebody. We complain. If we have or asked to do something for God. We need to think about it. What did Jesus go through for us? And yet we can't get up and get out of our comfort zone for him. What how God looks at that? Something we need to think about. You know. Karen made a comment one time, and I agree 100%. When God calls on us to do something for Him, we ought to be doing backflips. Better yet, we don't need to be waiting for Him to call on us. We need to have our hand up saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. Let me do it. Michael sings a song about, speak the word, Lord, and I'll go. And we sit back hoping He doesn't say anything to us because we don't want to get up. Turn over to James. And I don't know if your Bible is like mine. Mine's the King James Version. But before each book in the Bible, it has a little, tells kind of what that book is about. And I'm going to read it out of my Bible, so it may not be exactly the same in yours. So if you want, you can just listen. But the first part of James, before it even starts with the chapters, it says the epistle of James. Faith without works cannot be called faith. Faith without works is dead. And a dead faith is worse than no faith at all. Faith must work. It must produce. It must be visible. Verbal faith is not enough. Mental faith is insufficient. Faith must be there, but it must be more. It must inspire action. Throughout his epistle to Jewish believers, 
James integrates true faith in everyday practical experience by stressing that true faith must manifest itself in works of faith. Faith endures trials. Trials come and go. But a strong faith will face them head on and develop endurance. Faith understands temptations. It will not allow us to consent to our lust and slide into sin. Faith obeys the word. It will not merely hear and not do. Faith produces doers. Faith harbors no prejudice. For James, faith and favoritism cannot coexist. Faith displays itself in works. Faith is more than mere words. It is more than knowledge. It is demonstrated by obedience and it overtly responds to the promises of God. Faith controls the tongue. Yeah, I mean that one. This small but immensely powerful part of the body must be held in check. Faith can do it. Faith acts wisely. It gives us the ability to choose wisdom that is heavenly and to shun wisdom that is earthly. Faith produces separation from the world and submission to God. It provides us with the ability to resist the devil and humbly draw near to God. Finally, faith waits patiently for the coming of the Lord. Through trouble and trial, it stifles complaining says a lot about faith but all through there it says that faith is not just a word it's an action and we are to act on our faith if I believe in Jesus Christ if I believe that he's good to me if I believe that he blesses me why would I not want to tell somebody I'll tell you what, I bet if your kid wins the ball game and goes to the championship, you're going to be telling everybody you know. If my little Isaac, when he was playing football, if he caught a ball and he ran with it, you can bet I'd be telling everybody I know. Well, I got news, Jesus Christ is a whole lot better than a touchdown or a home run or the state championship or the biggest fish you've ever caught. So why can we not tell people about him? Why can't we? You don't have to go out and say God is good. You can just go out and say, you know what? I have a need, whether it be I didn't have the money to pay my life bill this month and somehow God provided that. You know what? My child sitting on that pew right there when she was about three years old, which might not even been that old, was so sick. And we had moved to Batesville. We didn't have any money. Didn't know anybody up there. All I could do was pray. And I went and checked her temperature. It was running over 100. I mean, it was up there. And I thought, Lord, I can't do anything. We have no money to take her to the doctor. I, I can't do anything. And I went back to bed and I prayed and I thought, Lord, you've got to touch her. Because I can't do anything. Went back, checked her temperature. Still well over 100 and 
poo or something like that, I thought, Lord, please, please touch my baby. I went back the third time. Her temperature was almost normal. You didn't give up. I didn't give up. I knew God could do it. I just had to be persistent. Sometimes God just wants to make sure we really mean what we say. That we really believe what we're saying. You know, we're quick to say words. We're quick to say, oh, I love you. God can heal you. God can heal me. God can meet a need. But when the time comes down to it's getting tough and rough, then we kind of get slack in our faith and we get weak. God wants us to be strong in our faith. And if we are, that's going to produce results. Turn over to James chapter 1. Skip down to verse 22 through 24. 22 through 25. James chapter 1 and the 22nd verse. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. So that's telling me by hearing the word not putting it into action, we're just fooling ourselves if we think God's happy with us. Verse 23 says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, his, this man shall be blessed in his deed. A lot of people say they are Christ-like, but only some actually act like Christ. Now, the others forget how hard Christ worked for us to bring salvation into the world. And then there's others that remember, that are so thankful, that just, you can never repay what God has done for us. He sent His only Son to die for us. But we can do what he expects of us, which is work for him to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus came to earth. That's the only reason that we can be saved is because he came and died for us. He took our sins on him so that we can have salvation and be reunited with God. So if we're going to be Christ-like, it's more than just the saying. It's more than just saying, I'm Christ-like. I'm a Christian. There is more than just saying, I'm a Christian. First, we have to act like it. Second, we have to be Christ-like and doing the same things that He did. And that was to get out there on the road in the community and tell people about salvation. Let's get down to 14, verse 14, chapter 2, verse 14 and 16. 
James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, What doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and hath not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? What does it profit a man if he doesn't work for God? You know, we haven't helped ourselves with God if we're not doing what He wants us to in helping the world. And we do that by showing His love. We're kind of just sounding our own horn when we're without actually doing anything that He wants us to. Think about Kind of telling somebody who's lost their spouse and I hear this all the time working in the type of work that I work. If you need anything, you just call me. Just call me. Now, I don't know about y'all, but how many of us are actually going to call somebody and say, hey, I need your help? Not me. Even though we probably should, most of the time we don't. So instead of just telling somebody if you if I said, hey, when Brother Ben died, and I probably did, you need anything, just call me. And I mean it. But instead, if I saw that her yard needed mowed and I was mowing mine, why not mow hers too? Don't ask. Just do it. Take over a plate of food. Something. So, you know, we have to not just speak the words. We have to actually put it into action. Verse 17 and 18. That even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without works, and I will show thee my faith with works. So let me ask you this. How good is our faith if we don't put it into action? It said that your faith is dead without works. So, without faith, will we make it to heaven? If we're saved by faith, and yet it's telling us without works, our faith is dead. So, I'm supposed to love everybody like my neighbor for as much as I love myself. So how much do we actually show our neighbor that we love them? We need to really, and that I guess this whole lesson is to self-check. If I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, and I can help my neighbor and I don't, how much actual love am I showing that neighbor? If we get down to it, really, we love ourselves. We know who we are. We know our faults. We know how much we feel God. So, in essence, we probably are loving others. Like, I, I will not ask them. I'll hurt myself to that. So, do I really love myself enough to ask for help? Please know the Bible teaches us to. 
and sit down. You have to put it into actions. You have to show that work. You cannot, and I repeat this all the time, you cannot sit down and do nothing. You know, you sit very long and do nothing. Let's put it this way. If you had a job and you went to work and you sat down and you just sat there all day long and didn't do anything, how long are you going to keep that job? You wouldn't have that job. You wouldn't have that job. And it's the same way with our faith. We get saved by faith. But if we just sit down and don't do anything with it, how is it going to grow? And how is it going to benefit anybody? You know, Rahab, she believed. And she was saved. But then she acted on her faith. She could have just believed and then let the guards take them away. But what good would that have done? Wouldn't have shown her faith very much. And this last scripture, turn over to Titus chapter 1 verse 16. Titus 1 and 16. It says, They profess that they know God, but in works deny him, being abominable, which is loathsome or disliked intensely or arousing disgust, and disobedient, which we all know that disobedience is just a sin and sin is not going to enter into heaven, and unto every good work reprobate. If you look that up, it says a state of being morally deprived. And I'm going to read it again. They profess that they know God, but in works deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Think about this the next time that somebody asks you to do something for God or He lays something on your heart. So when we deny, and that's what it said, when we deny or refuse, we don't like that deny word. When we refuse to do God's work, we're arousing disgust and our actions are being intensely disliked by God. But it doesn't stop there. We're being disobedient and if while we're being disobedient, we die, will we enter into heaven? If disobedience is like sin and sin is not going to enter into heaven, if I'm being disobedient to God, where's that going to leave me at at that moment? Every time we tell God no, or we refuse to do what He asks, or we deny Him, we're sinning. And the more we tell Him no or deny Him, like I said, we don't like the way that sounds. I don't deny God. Well, every time you tell him no, you're denying him. And I believe that's why people accept your word. Yes. And the more we deny him, the easier it gets to deny him. And if we do it often enough, we're going to be morally depraved. Or 
We're going to, well, depraved. I looked it up. It said to render bad or worse. In morals, to corrupt or pervert. So every time we tell God no, our morals take a hit. And they start getting worse and worse and worse until we're back where we started from before we got saved. And I'm going to tell you, and I, yes, I believe you can backslide. I know there's a lot of people that don't. I believe you can. You'll get to where you tell God no so often, it's so easy, you just start to ignore him altogether and the Holy Spirit's not there anymore. It's not going to dwell in an unclean temple until we're back where we were out in the world. Only we're worse because I'm going to tell you, once you've known the glory of God and it's not in you anymore, you are a very miserable person. But even that process has many people. You think about it. If we're back to where we were, think about all the people that we hurt by our disobedience, not just ourselves. Because the world is watching you as a Christian. And if they see us refusing to do God's work or help somebody else when we can, however you want to put it, that hurts our testimony. It hurts us sharing the gospel, but also by not doing what God wants us to. How many people miss out on us showing them God's love, planting that little seed that can be nurtured and grow that might help them come to salvation at a later date? It's up to us. And I know I said that was the last scripture, but I got one more. Turn over to Revelations chapter 20. Revelations chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 11. Revelations chapter 20, verse 11. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, you will be judged for the works that you do. And when I stand before God, I want Him to look at me and say, Well done, my good and thankful servant. Will I ever mess up doing God's work? You betcha, I already have more than I can remember. But it goes back to the song. Help me do the best I can. If I'm doing my best, that's all God wants from me. But are we doing our best? 
Or are we just halfway doing God's work? That's like Brother John said. We may fool everybody else, but we're not going to fool God. Sometimes we may even fool ourselves into believing something. That goes back to that being morally depraved. We need to pay attention. Are we doing what God has asked us to do? I want my name found in that book. And if that means I have to put forth a little effort on my side, take myself out of my comfort zone a little bit, or even a whole lot for that matter, that's what I'm going to do. Because I guess you have to ask yourself, what is your salvation worth to you? Is it worth getting up off the pew and going out and doing what God has asked you to? Is your salvation worth going to work for God? How much does He do for you? Besides just salvation, besides just saving my soul, I can look back and see my kids up in the hill. My kids have been protected. God blesses me all the time. Financially, emotionally, mentally. I'm going to tell you, I'd probably be a basket case if it were not for the peace and joy that God can give The peace that I can have, that's just like this virus going around. We all need to be careful. We all need to be cautious. But my faith is in Jesus Christ. He is going to be a protector. Now, that doesn't mean I'm supposed to get out there if I know somebody's sick and run up to them and say, oh, God's going to protect me. That's kind of silly. God gives us common sense. But we need to put our faith to work and do the very best we can for Him. And if you were listening, God expects it from you. And if He expects it from you, you really don't have a choice. If you want to be saved and you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to do what He tells you to. It's all written right here. Read it for yourself. I say that all the time. Read it for yourself. Learn what He expects from you. Then, when somebody says something to you, you know what's in here. So ask yourself, is my salvation worth getting out of my comfort zone and putting my faith to work? Brother Roger, that's all I got.